welcome to Conversations About Life. Thanks, Robert, for being a guest on my podcast. Is this the first time you've been on a podcast? Yes, it is. Okay. A <laughs> little nervous. <laughs> well, um, so, you know, we just met each other and got connected through my daughter, who um, she's met you up at the food pantry, and it's called the uh, Peace... Peace Pantry. Peace Pantry. Yeah, okay. of Cedar Hill. And as we were just chatting... Um, you said you've been up there about three years now, huh? Yes. And before that, um, you mentioned you were involved in a, a Bible study. Yes. So is the Bible study... So are you a Christian then? Yes. Okay. And then the Bible study, um, is that something you were just doing at your home? or? Um, yes, I was doing it at home. Okay. Well, um, there's a... As far as introduction... Anything else that, you know, here's a, uh, an introductory type of question that I heard that I've been using lately because I kind of like it. It's, um, you know, what's kind of the main thing that we need, we should know about you in order to kind of know just what makes you tick or what kind of, you know, who you are as a person? Okay. Uh, I'm married, uh, 73 years old. I'm married to prettiest girl in the world. And uh, we live on 11 acres. We uh, have a small farm there, uh, just, uh, just crops, no uh, livestock at all. And um, we're both Christians. Uh, we do a Bible study together every morning for an hour, and, uh, and we pray together. And uh, I try to tell others about Jesus and I think it's the most important thing. It was, the, you know, it was the last thing Jesus said before he went into, before he ascended into heaven. He said, "Let's go out and make disciples of all," and and that is our aim to share Jesus with others, and uh, give them that opportunity and uh, to change their eternity. You know, because without Jesus, you know, it's not going to be a good eternity for you, and. We're hoping that in some way that we can introduce people to Jesus, lead them to Jesus, and make disciples of them also. Okay. So you and your wife, you have a Bible study each day. Is that, um, are you following a, a book, or is it just looking at the Bible and talking about it, or how, how, how do you do that? Uh, our, uh, our routine is, uh, first we do a devotional. And uh, right now our devotional is 90 days, uh, and it's all about heaven. And uh, we read that, which has scripture verses in it also. And then, uh, and then we uh, go in particular books, like right now we're in the book of Psalms. Okay. So, and we love the book of Psalms because it, it talks about all those good attributes of God, all those uh, things that make us admire him. And it shows us ways to praise him also. Okay. And, you know, and then we'll get into a study like on the book of Revelations. We've been in there several times. And the book of Daniel, because prophecy is so interesting. And, uh, and uh, I read it out loud. And, and particularly in uh, the book of Revelation, it says there's a blessing for those that read the book of Revelation out loud. So I, I take that blessing from God also. And then we'll have uh, uh, some book written by a Christian minister. Uh, we're currently reading one by Francis Chan, who's a uh, pastor out in San Francisco. And when we read these books, it's like eating a, a uh, from a box of chicken. You know, you eat the meat and throw away the bones. So, you know, so we glean from those books also. Okay. So what, are the, what do you mean by bones? Okay, it's, uh, it's like uh, some kind of uh, maybe a, a, a doctrinal thing or something like that, or a denominational thing, which we may or may not agree with, but we don't take issue with it. We just kind of put it aside or maybe put it on the shelf and 
uh, glean from the meat of it, the okay. things, you know, that, that really touch our hearts. Right. And then what kind of, um, like, doctrinal position do you come in, come from, like, um, is there a particular uh, church denomination or anything like that that you kind of identify with? Okay, uh, we do not have a, a church, a building that we go to. We are um, our own church right there. I mean, not a, not a cult, <laughs> no Kool-Aid, <laughs> but um, like we were both raised Catholic, and then from there, uh, you know, we were just totally out. And then, uh, like, we've known each other 30 years. But uh, before that, and I won't name the uh, particulars, but I was involved in a couple of other things that just turned out to be cults. And so I was, at that time, just totally turned off to it. But when we started to just focus on the Bible itself, you know, the Word of God, and just let that, you know, let let the Holy Spirit lead us, we find that. And it's almost like an extension of our, what I say, uh, our church, our gathering, my wife and I, that uh, those truths that, you know, God brings to us, I'm able to share with other people, you know, at the pantry or the uh, clients that come in themselves, you know, an opportunity to, to share some truth with them, to open up their hearts, you know, and, and allow God's spirit to draw them. So your gathering, um, is that just meet at your house too? Yes. Okay. And then about how many people? No, it's just my wife and I. Oh, it's just the two of you. Yes. Okay. So that's like, that's your church right now. It's, uh, Jesus said, wherever two or three are gathered in my name, okay. I'm there with them. Okay. Um, do you ever, um, like, do you have the desire to pull people in or to reach out and meet with, you know, other Christians and so forth? Uh, yes, that, that right there is a desire that's, that's growing right now. Recently, uh, my wife, uh, has invited another woman over and she and her have a, a Bible study, a time of fellowship on Monday and, you know, and, and that's open for growth as well, you know, and uh, myself, I don't, but I, I would welcome it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know how far away you are, but not long ago, um, here in um, Barnhart, right next to the post office, there's a little building and it's called the Harbor. And um, on Sundays, a church meets in there. But on Mondays evenings, um, a group of men meet there for a Bible discussion. So it's not so much like a, a class. It's more of like really just a discussion. And they come from different churches and so forth. But we meet at 6.30, and then um, we uh, we eat something first, you know, like uh, somebody brings in like a crock pot of chili or soup or whatever. And then around 7, we kind of dig in. And we'll take one chapter wherever we are, and we kind of just roughly divide it up based on how many people are there, and then we each read that amount of verses, and we just kind of go around and read through the chapter, and then there's six discussion questions that we work through, and they're the same every week, like, um, you know, what stands out to you, um, what does the passage um, tell us about God, what does it tell us about ourselves, um, is there anything? Thing that you really like about it, anything that's troubling about it. And then the last question is, you know, what's God's Spirit speaking to you through the um, passage? And I really enjoy it because of the interaction. There's just, you know, as far as just sitting and listening to a lecture or listening to someone uh, talk, like I can get that through YouTube or whatever, but if I'm meeting with somebody and flesh and blood, you know, I, I want there to be some kind of interaction or, you know, so I enjoy that aspect of it, but just mentioning it because you're welcome to come if you'd like okay, to. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, and then if anyone's listening and, you know, it's a men's group, so you're welcome to come as well. But um, 
So, you know, when it comes to, um, like, telling others, um, well, first of all, um, how did this get started for you? So you started in the Catholic Church? Yes. Okay. And from there, uh, I was uh, in construction, uh, working on a job site, worked with some men who were in a denomination, and they talked to me and, and invited me to church, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went, I liked the group, and uh, enjoyed the fellowship, uh, the teaching, and uh, just started attending regularly from then. Okay. Um, I went to Bible college, and, um, and then after that, I went out, and the, uh, the, the denomination itself, I saw some inconsistencies there with what the Bible says. And, and I, I, I kind of got discouraged about that, you know, and, and I went away on my own and then I found another group and I stayed there for a while. And then again, I saw the cult practices and had to separate from that. So what do you mean by cult practices? Um, like some people, when they talk about a cult practice, they're talking about, some kind of belief that's just pretty strange, or and sometimes they're talking about like more of a behavior, like a strong leader and everyone following that leader just to the T or something. So, what do you mean by uh, it? Was it's the prosperity movement? Okay, and I saw that it was so focused on uh, gaining wealth here on the earth. When Jesus said, "Lay up your treasures in heaven," and Paul said. All this stuff here, I count it as dung, you know. And so, again, I couldn't go along with that because I, I don't want to base all my values and hopes on things here, you know. And especially as old as I'm getting, the older you get, it, I think more about heaven than I do about this earth here. Okay, I see. Um. And then, um, so you grew up in the Catholic Church, but anyway, I, I guess um, some, you know, you weren't really um, receiving whatever it was you were wanting, I guess, in the Catholic Church. But um, was there a certain point where um, Christianity kind of came alive for you or, or became more, um, I don't know, really? I, I think, Will. It was uh, when the focus was on the Bible instead of a uh, like a group or a church doctrine or something. Um, I think that's what it was. Is that when the Bible itself was open to me, that I I saw more truth there in yeah. the Bible than, and and I don't because all of my family is Catholic, and I don't want to condemn them at all. But there was just some things I saw in the Bible that I, you know, w- yeah. was different than what was being taught there. Right. Um, yeah, I think a lot of um, Roman Catholic practices might come from like church history and different traditions that were picked up along the way and so forth. Yes. Um, well, what about, you know, you mentioned telling others. How do you go about doing that like um, I guess there different people have their own way based on their personality and so forth mm-hmm. for you um, is it, you know how do you um, what what do you enjoy doing what, or what does that look like when you're telling others is it well it's like when a uh, person is going through and they're getting their uh, groceries there at the pantry for instance mm-hmm. and they're walking out and I talk to them and, and I just ask them directly, you know, do you have Jesus in your heart? You know, and that, that's what I asked Gracie the first time I met her. Oh, really? Yeah. And I can tell by their response whether they're walking with God or not. Yeah. And if they're on that narrow path, that's where they need to be. And it, I heard it said you can put any sign over a chicken house you want, and it's still a chicken house. So... No matter what, where they're going to church, if they're living for Jesus, then 
I'm happy for them. Okay. And um, if you get the impression that they are not, then what do you say to them next? I, I say I would like to tell you about Jesus. Okay. You know, and uh, I know there's approaches like, you know, ask a person, has anybody ever taken the time to show you in the Bible how you can be assured of going to heaven? And if they haven't, then that opens you up and tell them, you know, like how Paul wrote uh, wrote to the Romans, you know, about everybody has sinned, <laughs> but there's grace available by receiving Jesus into your life. Hmm. And it's that simple and that profound. You know, it's like, you know, I, I have to accept Jesus and make him the Lord of my life. And, and then I'll just turn him over to Jesus. And if he has to make changes, he'll do it. Okay. So that's what you're urging them toward is, um, you know, coming to Jesus as their Lord. Yes. Yeah. And... Um, so it's just as simple as that, I guess, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's really simple. You know, Jesus came down here for one purpose, and that was to redeem the world. And, you know, and, and God offered his only son, you know, to, and if you think about that, uh, it just tells you just how much God loves all of us that are so unworthy of it. You know, I mean, myself, you know, would I offer my son, you know, to be totally brutally tortured and and murdered and the people I sent him to turn their back on him? That, that speaks of God's love for us. It's just, I, I think we'll have to wait till we get to heaven to really understand just how much God loves us. Hmm. And then what did that do for us? Like him being tortured and given, you know, God giving him over to us. Like, because all of our sins, you know, because God is just, you know, he is a judge as well as, you know, our Lord. And those sins have to be accounted for. In the Old Testament, uh, the Jewish people, they brought all their sins. Uh, you know, the, the Day of Atonement. And the high priest went inside the Holy of Holies once a year. And he took all those sins in there with him and made a sacrifice, a blood sacrifice. And uh, those sins were rolled up for a year. So they were covered. But when Jesus came, he says, it's finished. All those sins are taken care of. God uh, justified us through that sacrifice. Huh. Yeah, that's you know that's the impression I get, or that's the way I understand it when I'm looking at the Bible. Um, my last guest, um, she really had a, a problem with that of like the idea of a God who desires blood to be shed for someone um, rather than just freely forgiving. Um, and uh, anyway, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm not explaining her position. It, really, I, I really think well. I know what you mean. Okay. If you go back to the beginning, Adam and Eve, that's when sin came into the world. And God had to kill an innocent animal to make clothing for them. That innocent blood was shed to cover their nakedness. And that has just been a picture of blood, you know. So something has to, God can't just say, oh, we'll, we'll just forget it all. Because he's righteous. Right. He is a righteous judge. Yeah. And... Um, that full-bodied um, understanding of God of like, not just, because we also see God through Jesus as very gentle and lowly. I mean, he won't um, snuff out the um, smoldering wick or 
crush the bruised reed. You know, that like very gentle and patient, but um, it can't, but also seeing him as, you know, the, the God who will judge and, the, and righteousness and all of that. I guess it, it that it, it, we need the complete picture. It seems like just to be satisfied with God or just, I mean, otherwise it, I mean, we long for God, but not just like a Santa Claus version of him, I guess. Right. Know? Yeah. Um, so, um, well, I guess um, you told me already about one of your practices. You have a Bible study with your wife each morning. And... Um, you guys pray together. Any other practices that go along in your life or your Christianity or anything, routines and so forth that are meaningful to you and you enjoy? Well, again, my wife has a talent of, uh, she has the green thumb. Mm-hmm. She loves to garden and she's very good at it. And then uh, with the crops that produce from the garden she cans them or dehydrates them or whatever does preservation and she passes that on to other women younger women that you know it's one of those uh, arts I guess you'd say that are are going by the wayside Mm -hmm. because there's a a a grocery store on most corners right so it's uh, again and when you uh, when you uh, help a person uh, physically, it opens a door to be able to share spiritual truths with them as well. Right. What gives you confidence? Um, so, like, I'm sure you experience, like, joy in the Lord and peace and so forth, but... Um, you know, perhaps that's just, um, you know, just something you experience when you hear good news and so forth. But what gives you confidence that it's all true, that it's all for real and not just a religion that's, you know, came about through the imagination of men and so forth? Anything in particular that you, you know, you think about when that, for that? Um, I think that... Uh that right now we walk by faith and not by sight. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, when, you know, when you accept Jesus and you believe on him and you study his word, it makes your faith grow. It's something that yeah. inside you, you believe it. You know that it's true. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's kind of like an inner witness, I guess. Yes. Like, yeah. I've been reading uh, Dallas Willard lately. You ever read him? Uh, yeah, it's, it's been a while, but I remember him. Yes. Yeah, I've been really enjoying it. Um, he talks a lot about, um, he calls it spiritual formation, I think, but basically about um, just the inner, the heart of a person growing, um, being shaped by God's grace and, um, you know, less focus on, like, for example, the Sermon on the Mount, he would say, well, your efforts shouldn't be so much on um, living out the Sermon on the, on the Mount like a list of rules, but rather um, being transformed into the type of person who naturally lives out the Sermon on the Mount. And um, by just... Um, God's grace at work, and um, I think he would say um, through spiritual disciplines, things like whatever that might be, you know, Bible study, maybe taking a Sabbath, maybe being in community and just kind of working together and living life together, you know, all kinds of different fasting, all kinds of different things, spiritual, but like um, using those to uh, give God's grace an opportunity to do hard work and, until it's like being lived out. That's what 
I'm trying to summarize kind of his mm-hmm. thing, but I've been really enjoying it. Um, do you have any thoughts about um, just that kind of growth, growth in Christ likeness, or how um, how it comes about and so forth? Yeah, it's it's a a constant thing. The growth, you know, becoming more and more like Christ is you know what we should be. Yeah, right. Um, you know, it's. I, I think it was uh, in the book of James where he said that, uh, I'll show you my faith by my works. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, it's not so much like works earn us God's good standing, but rather real faith is seen by what we do, I guess. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, what... What challenges do you have in your life that are just kind of characteristic to you and something that maybe you grow through them or maybe you don't, but maybe it's just something that... Are there any particular challenges that you have? Uh, uh, one challenge now, and uh, but but it's, it's being kept in balance, uh, is that... I wish I was with my wife 24 hours a day, okay? We have a very deep love for each other. And then when, uh, you know, in the morning, she'll get the car. She'll warm it up for me. She'll have me uh, a a go cup of coffee to go to send me off, you know, because she knows that, uh, see, we serve God by serving others. And this is my picture right now of serving God is being there at the pantry. And I've been blessed. Will, I have the best friends right now in my life that I've ever had. Uh, you know, there's so many people that work up there. They have a good heart. They're there for the right reason. And, you know, when you have that kind of atmosphere, that friendship just grows. Mm-hmm. You know, so like when, you know, she says, well, I got the uh, I got the beans and the spinach and the uh, uh, cucumbers planted today. And I was at the pantry working and myself, I would rather be there down in the dirt with her putting those seeds in the ground. But it's just a part of uh, we're in ministry together that way. You know, even though she's doing that, and I'm up there, in our own way, we're both serving God. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, are you, so I guess you guys are retired right now. Yes. And then, what kind of work are you retired from? Uh, I was a medical courier. I drove all around the country. Okay. And uh, she was a uh, she had her own business. She had a home cleaning business that she retired from. Okay. And. Uh, so um, has she ever thought about uh, joining you in the up at the food pantry and volunteering? Uh, she has been up there with me a couple times on special occasions to do something, but mm-hmm. mostly she's there. Right. You know, we have five cats we have to take care of, too. <laughs> How long have you been married? Uh, it'll be uh, 10 years. Okay, 10 years. Yeah. Okay. And... Um, is this your guys' first marriage? No. No, okay. we were both married before. Okay. Yeah. So um, how did you uh, guys meet each other? Well, we met about 30 years ago <laughs> at a funeral. Okay. And she was married to someone else, and so was I. But uh, the connection through some cousins, we, we became friends, mm-hmm. you know, and we were just very good friends uh, all that time, and then uh, her husband passed away, and uh, our friendship grew even more. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now, like I said, uh, in March we'll be married ten years. Okay. And in those thirty years, we have never had an argument. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> um, so I don't know. What can you say about marriage that might be helpful to other it's, married people? Um, it's always putting the other one before you. 
If I put her before me in everything and she puts me before anyone else or herself, then... Okay. I was going to say... Well, like, how do you handle arguments? But you said you don't. You have well, we don't it. have fights. You don't have fights. I mean, like, if we have a disagreement, we sit down, we talk about it, we get over it, and we go on. Right. Forgive, forget, or whatever. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, what's made um, a big impact in your life? Um, any particular books or people or events or anything that really kind of changed your the course of your life or made a big impact or anything like that? Uh, one thing uh, I can say is that uh, right after high school, uh, I went into the military in the Air Force. Mm-hmm. And I met people from different states or whatever, a lot of different races. And uh, it, it came to me as a surprise I was uh, raised in a small town, St. Peter's, which at that oh. time was very small. Okay, yeah. But I saw that even they were different races, they were raised in different parts of the country. Basically, we were all the same. You know, we looked different and, and we were taught different, but basically, we were all the same. Yeah. And I think that that right there was uh, very eye-opening to me. Yeah. You know, it's like I never uh, knew a black person before I went into the military. Okay. And again, I found out that the only difference was the skin color. But other than that, you know, we're the same. Right. Do you have any hobbies or sports or interests or anything? Uh, We don't care much for sports. Like, we'll watch the uh, Super Bowl Okay, and uh, the World Series came and went, and we didn't even realize it was <laughs> it was uh, on. Yeah, and uh, like I say, our gardening, and uh, I like to deer hunt. Okay, and uh, that's my time where I'm able to share uh, uh, share time with my brothers and some good friends that are like brothers, and we have a weekend or three or four days together. And it's, it's just a good annual thing we do. And I think that I value that, that uh, comradeship, that, uh, that uh, fellowship that I have with them even more than the hunting itself. Yeah. You know, if I get a deer and it goes into the freezer, that's a bonus. Yeah. But the, the real thing is sharing that time with them. Did you get a deer this year? I did. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I'm still waiting to get my first. Okay. But it probably would help if I get out into the woods more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I went hunting one one time, my first time, and really only time um, uh, about two or three years ago, maybe. Anyway, and um, so I might try it again. <laughs> um, well, okay, so you got different friendships and relationships. Um that's neat. Um, well, what have you learned about life over the years that you know seems important to you? Um, I think uh, Solomon may have uh, summed it up in, uh, in in Ecclesiastes, where everything that you strive for down here, you're not going to take anything with you. Mm-hmm. So why put your focus on things? Yeah, and uh, and again, like I say, as I'm progressing in age here, mm-hmm. that the things of the world uh, just don't hold the value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of reminds me of um, like cares, like uh, having too many cares. I think there's a proverb about you know having too many cares keeps you up at night or something like that. And then Jesus, you know, has the parable about um, the sower going out and throws seed, and there's the seed that fell among the thorns, and uh, it gets choked out because of cares or the deceitfulness of pleasures or riches or whatever, you know, but by just other things that take our focus. And um, I, uh, so I woke up at like 2.30 this morning, and um, 
I wish I wouldn't have started thinking because then I would have drifted off to bed, I mean, back to sleep. But I did start thinking, and I think I spent the rest of my morning, my time, just thinking, and I was kind of realizing I just got so many cares right now, just different things on my mind. And I eventually got up around five and just kind of thought, you know, this is something, you know, to kind of do battle with, to fight, you know, for resting in God and uh, taking those cares. And I, I kind of figured I can't have both. You know, you can't be wrapped up in cares and have a close relationship with God at the same time. And um, so I kind of thought, well, if I'm going to choose one or the other, I'll just let all my cares go and I'll just choose God. Um, but it's um, it's hard sometimes um, to, um, you know, feel like you got this that's important. You want this. You want to do this. You want to take care of this. You got this problem or that. You're trying to take care of it. And it, it is kind of like a battle sometimes to... Um, not let cares, not get wrapped up in cares, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I don't know how I got off in that train of Well, that's thought. okay. Uh, you know, I think it's in Second Peter where, uh, where it uh, says, you know, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. You know, and, and you, you can get a picture of uh, all these things that's, you know, keeping you awake or whatever. And just imagine throwing them up in the air, and Jesus is waiting there to catch them. We're doing another devotional. It's called Jesus Calling. I know if you're familiar with that. I've heard of it. Okay, but it's written like in the first person, where Jesus says, just focus on me, you know, and I'll take care of your cares for you. Mm-hmm. And that's really helping me because of uh, all the... Uh, obligations in that that I have at the pantry you know uh, I'm thinking about you know well we've got a a a load of milk coming in tomorrow and I'm going to distribute it to six different pantries and I have this coming in tomorrow and tomorrow and but Jesus says let tomorrow wait let's talk about today and that's what he's uh, stressing uh, in in the scriptures there is that just focus on me mm-hmm. and I'll take care of the small stuff. Is there any particular way that when it comes to focusing on Jesus, does that just mean keep him in mind to be thinking about him? Or I think it's listen, uh, when you're reading the red letters, you know, the things that he said and what he taught. Okay, right. So... So it has to do, main, uh, I guess, like with kind of meditating on Scripture. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that is helpful. Um, so I've been doing that lately. And it's easier said than done, Well, Okay, yes. because you're going to... Because we're in a fallen world, mm-hmm. and all their uh, pressures are telling us, you know, uh, be your own uh, self. You know, you're in command of yourself, and... But right. Jesus said, you know, focus on me and I'll take care of the little stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so you have a relation, good relationship with your wife and you got deer hunting friends. Anything else you've come to learn about relationships that, um, you know, it's important to know? Um, I think what I've learned uh, at the pantry is that, again, you have so many different people, and they're most in their 60s or above, you know, who are retired and volunteer their time. But uh, every one of them is an individual, and uh, it's not like a, a one-size, one-answer-fits-all you know, but if you meet people where they are and just show an interest in them, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, it can be as simple as, uh, you know, uh, how was your weekend? Or, uh, and it's when, when you just show a personal interest in someone, 
a lot of times they're, they'll open up to you. Mm-hmm. Not that you have to be a problem solver for them, but just that you're a good listener. Right. Because I think a lot of people just think, well, you know, this, I'm, I'm in it all by myself and nobody understands. But I think what they want to do is they just want you to listen. Right. So they can talk about what's going on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's helpful to know you're not in it by yourself. Yeah. You're in it like with, with others and the people who care and who know, who mm-hmm. understand what you're going through. Um, do you keep any, I guess the word for it I think of is like maxims in mind, like um, just kind of some rule of life um, that you just keep that guides you like one of mine is um that you know the way to go forward is like truth and love like if i'm um having the um a hard time with a decision or like how am i going to say something to this person or that person like sometimes it's helpful just to think well just try being as clear and honest as possible and just seeing what happens, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of scary sometimes. But um, but then, of course, that has to be uh, united with love, like just flat-out truth, not always the loving thing. But um, any kind of maxims or kind of rules that you keep in mind um, that help you navigate through life or anything like that? I think... Uh one thing I would say is when you look at a person, look at them through God's eyes. Hmm. You know, not what they are on the outside, but just look at them as God does. Mm-hmm. And try to uh, give them that love that God would give them. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. you know whether they're uh, deep in sin or whatever, look at them through God's eyes. Because Jesus died for every one of us. You know, the worst sinner in the world he died for, you know, just mm-hmm. as much as a guy that thinks he's perfect, he died for all of them. You know, concerning um, Jesus dying for all, um, something um, like a, an objection sometimes like s- skeptics might bring up is, well, what about like all of the countless people who have never heard? How is that fair for them, you know. Um, well, like, Solomon said, we have eternity in our hearts. Uh-huh. And and God himself said, look around at nature and all that. That's speaking of me. If you look at these primitive cultures, they all had something that they erected because they knew that there was a power mm-hmm. that created this. Mm-hmm. And how God is going to judge that, I don't know. You know, somebody like you might think living on an island somewhere and nobody has ever told them about Jesus. Well, they're facing a righteous judge. Right. Who's going to do the right thing. Because we have a conscience. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, that that conscience tells us don't do this. But if we do it anyway, you know, Mm -hmm. where... uh, we're basically rejecting God because that is, that's the God-given thing in us is that conscience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, um, can you reach back behind you and just kind of slide the door open for the little cat to come in? I've been noticing her and it's kind of chilly out there. Um, it, thanks, I appreciate that. You're welcome. <laughs> That's a common occurrence at our house also. Yeah. Cats wanting in or out. Right. Well, I you know, I just I got a kind of question just to wrap up on, but before kind of like closing things out, is there anything that you would like to bring up to either ask or a topic to talk about or anything along those lines? I I am interested uh, I would say in more uh, effective ways to make disciples. In other words, uh, I've heard it said that a disciple is a disciplined learner. Mm-hmm. Okay, hmm. and 
uh, not only that uh, you make a disciple, but you can uh, put that same desire, that, uh, that urge to talk to others. Mm-hmm. Because our, you know, as I look around, our world is crumbling right now. And I think it's just a matter of time before, you know, it's, it's yeah. going to be over. And it should be an urgency with us to, to reach others. So how is your, what has your experience been like as far as making disciples? Um, has anything in particular worked out well as far as making disciples that also make disciples? Grandchildren, so to speak. Right. <laughs> uh, not as much success as I'd like. Yeah. There is a movement in St. Louis area among, um, I think it's mainly a men's movement in the workplace, One's called Legacy Builders. There's another one too. But they have they try to facilitate that type of thing in the workplace. And and there's another um, thing that I got involved with. Um, my brother was involved with it first. And um, so they, there's a book called Discipleship Essentials. The author is Greg Ogden. And um, it's kind of like a basic Christianity book. It's a workbook. You you know, you read a section, you go through answer questions and stuff. And the idea behind it is like um, a group of four men get together and they go through this book. And it takes a couple years. Like if you meet weekly um, and then when you get to the end, ideally your, the groups breaks up and each person finds three more people and then the, the one group becomes four groups and then it keeps spreading and that's that has happened in the St. Louis area, and you know there's quite a few people doing this. And I was wanting to do it uh, mainly just for Christian fellowship, but um, I didn't want to drive into this, this. My schedule it didn't work with when they were meeting, and I didn't want to drive in, so I just looked for people out here, and um, I did it with um, the guy who lives right across the street, and then another guy who lived down the street, and then another guy from South County who. Um, came out, drove out here. So the, the one guy was Catholic, the other guy was Lutheran, and then one guy, he didn't stick with us very long, but anyway, so there ended up just being three. And um, we went through this thing, and then we broke up, and I'm going through it for the second time. But um, I don't know, it's just something about longevity. Like when you see the same faces and you're meeting to talk about something and just stay up to date with each other's lives week after week after week for like a several months you get really comfortable with each other yeah and and it seems kind of like a good thing but um i guess at our church we're talking about like the trellis and the vine it's a book on making disciples and like the trellis would be like some kind of structure and then the vine symbolizes like that interaction and life growth that goes on. So the trellis would be kind of like this little structure following a book or something. And then the vine would be the actual meeting week after week. But um, I don't know. It's, it's kind of exciting. Um, just, yeah, things like that and so forth. So, yeah, that's an, a good thing to be working on, to be thinking about, praying about, making disciples. Disciples. Mm-hmm. I've been um, kind of trying to use it, uh, different words sometimes because disciple sounds kind of like a religious word. So sometimes I'll say apprentice, you know, like uh-huh. making apprentices of Jesus. I think sometimes it's a little easier for people to grasp just what we're talking about. We're talking about like learning from somebody, learning from Jesus. You know, I think that everybody should have a Paul and a Timothy in their life. A Paul, uh, like an elder or someone that they're learning from, and then a Timothy that they're passing that on to, you know, kind of like a next generation. Right. Yeah, I think that's good. Do you have um, a Paul and Timothy in your life currently? I have a Paul and I have a sort of a Timothy. Right okay. now, right. Yeah, I'm working on another man to, you know, to be able to open up uh, the word to him also. And is the person in your life who's kind of like a Paul? 
is he is it um, like someone you meet with in person or uh, yeah it's somebody I see just about every day you know, it's your wife no no I'm <laughs> talking about uh, uh, a man at the pantry a man at the pantry every day we're able to to you know our first thing we talk about you know is the word right and uh, normally he has some kind of uh, wisdom that you know in a word that he'll pass on to me well that's neat yeah. It's good to have someone like that in your life. Yeah. And I book, I guess, you know, you're a reader. So I guess books can kind of help with that too, like learning from somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we've read so many right. authors and, uh, and, and I don't care what their denomination is. You know, like I said, it's a box of chicken. You know, right. you know good meat when you taste it. And there's some other things. If you disagree with it, you know, don't worry about that. Just... Focus right. on the good stuff. That seems like a good attitude about things rather than just rejecting somebody. Yeah, it, because blank, if you focus you know. just on the negative, then nobody wins. Right. Yeah. Okay, so to wrap up with, um, what do you find satisfaction in life when you're doing it? And <laughs> this might be just repeating what we've already been talking about. But anyway, um, just what kind of really resonates with you when you're involved in it and it just feels like very satisfying to you in your life. It's it's when I'm at the pantry and not only interacting with the people who are, you know, receiving it and stocking it on the shelves and all that, but when the people themselves come through, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, you see some sad cases, you know, uh, uh, for instance, one time there was a lady that came to the back door and she wanted some food, but she she said, I'm not able to walk into the uh, pantry or whatever because I don't have any shoes. Hmm. Wow. And, you know, I, I heard something when I was very young that's always stuck with me. And it says, I cried because I had no shoes until I saw a man who had no feet. Hmm. Yeah. So no matter what kind of troubles you're having or whatever, somebody has it worse than you do. Yeah. Well, thanks, Robert. It's good just to chat with you. And And I enjoyed it as well. Yeah. So thanks for coming over and being a part of it. You're welcome. Mm -hmm.